Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. It is so good to be with you this morning. My name is Kurt Von Eschen. I'm one of the pastors here at NLC. And this morning, I brought my wife with me. Her name's Mary. She's right down here. We've been married for 24 years, and we have four amazing kids, Grace, Judah, Zoe, and Torah. And we're so glad to be here today. I just want to thank Pastor Kevin. Um, He has been such an amazing support to us. Our family recently moved here about four months ago or five months ago now. And Pastor Kevin just kind of became like one of my best friends. He he encouraged me. He reached out to me. He loved on our family. And so I just want to just thank and tell you guys that you guys have an amazing pastor here in Pastor Kevin. Also, just to kind of correct Craig, 50 ain't that old. Yesterday was my birthday. Uh, you don't have to sing, but uh, and I turned 49 yesterday, so in, in my mind, this, it's not that old, you guys, and so anyways, today we're kicking off a brand new series called The Table. Think about this. As much as a table can be a place of connection and celebration, sometimes pl- tables can be a place of tension, and uh, you know, Jesus chose to bring sinners and betrayers, and outcasts to the table. And in this series, we're going to look at how we can learn from these moments of tension and discomfort, and what we can do to bring the kingdom of God into every conversation. Uh, We can learn so much about what happens around a table. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, there were some moments of tension around my table. Anyone else in here? experiencing moments of tension? Okay, so you guys didn't fight in your family? Okay, that's cool. Just my family. All right, and so one of the things that there was this moment of tension that I remember when I was young. I was about 10 years old, and and my family used to go on a regular basis to this all-you-can-eat restaurant called The King's Table. Now, The King's Table, I know it sounds fancy, but it made Golden Corral look like fine dining. It was not fancy. And on Friday nights, and no no hate towards Golden Corral because I love Golden Corral as well, but uh, on Friday nights, King's Table had all-you-can-eat rib night. And, uh, you know, my family, for us, it was all about the maximum amount of food for the least amount of money. And uh, at the King's Table, I was there with my dad, with my brother, with my uncle and his three sons, and I was the only one there that was under six feet at the time. And so we're there, we're eating, we loved all-you-can-eat rib, we loved barbecue. And as we're eating, guys, this is so embarrassing to admit, But at a certain point, the manager of the restaurant came over and said, you guys have eaten too many ribs, and we're going to need to ask you to leave. Can you believe that? All you can eat does not mean all you can eat. And it was crazy. And then the next time, guys, we went back, and yes, we did go back to that restaurant. They had up one of those signs that said, we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. And it was one of those times it was like, wow. And so we had a big learning that all you can eat does not mean all you can eat. And that left an indelible mark in my memory of that situation. Now, next time that we went back, 
you guys, it, it was kind of like there was like this trauma going, are we going to get kicked out again? Like, should we even go back to this place? And luckily, we never got kicked out again, and I can still eat ribs, and so I'm, I'm healing from the trauma. Anyways, today I'd love to share with you guys a powerful story that happened around a table that Jesus was at and what we can learn from it. Food and eating and tables, they're so important to all of our lives for every single one of us. It's a place where lighthearted conversation can happen but also deep and meaningful conversations. It's where relationships are formed and developed. And we all know this to be true, that eating is always best when we do it in community. But too often, we rush through meals. We're grabbing fast food on the go because kids got travel sports or whatever, and it leaves us just feeling, ugh. You know, none of us love the way we feel after we eat fast food. And too often, we, when we're eating out like that, we skip past all the prep work and all the healthy things that you do to make food great, and we go straight to the eating. But when we invite people over, we spend hours prepping and cleaning and smoking those meats. And honestly, guys, I love the prep work. I love grilling outside. Even yesterday as the game was on, I was out there uh, smoking chicken. And uh, how many of you guys love to grill? Can I see... Show of hands. All right. And how many of you guys love to eat what comes off that grill? All right. That's everybody, it sounds like. All right. So, but honestly, guys, I love the whole process. And eating was always meant to be a social occasion. It was meant to be done with others. But we've changed that. We've started to lose that within our culture. Now, if you go out for lunch or dinner, oftentimes you try and just get it done as quickly as possible. And oftentimes we don't even eat together anymore. But God intended for us to eat, not just to fuel our bodies, but to fuel our spirits also. He knows that there's power when we sit down together at a table, when we gather to eat, to enjoy each other, and to linger. In fact, the last book of the Bible, Jesus says this. In Revelation 3.20, it says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open it, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Man, that's such a comforting verse. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the creator of all things, is standing at the door of our hearts, and he's knocking. He wants us to open up so that he can come in and share a meal with us. But then what does Jesus do once he knocks? It's something completely unexpected. Does he teach us? Does he convict us? Does he equip us? Does, no, he, he sits down and he shares a meal which is so interesting. It's like he wants to know us and he cares about us. Jesus wants to eat with us and linger at the table. And in scripture, whenever we see the word eating together, it always represents intimacy. It's the word picture of intimacy. One time I heard uh, the clinical psychologist, Dr. Henry Cloud, he wrote a book called Boundaries. And what he said about intimacy is intimacy, I, I like to think of it this way, in to me you see. Intimacy, into me you see. And that's what happens when we share a meal together. We, we start to be, people start to know us and we start to know others. And Jesus, he wants to have an intimate relationship with us. In Revelation 3.20, he uses this picture of a meal and a table to say that. Jesus knew about the power of a shared meal gathered together around with friends. And now all throughout the Gospels, you have these interesting statements were about Jesus, where he used this interesting phrase to refer to himself. And he would say, the son of man. And this, whenever Jesus would say this, it referred to his character and to his mission. And in Luke 19, 10, it said, the son of man, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. In uh, Mark 10, it says, the son of man came to give his life as a ransom for the many. But then there's this weird verse in Luke 
7.34, where Jesus refers to himself. He says, the Son of Man, he came eating and drinking. That's so interesting. Why would Jesus say that? It's so revealing that Jesus defined himself by food. For Jesus, eating was important, but more so who he was with was of greater importance. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of those moments that happened around a table with Jesus. And by looking at these tables, I want you to see this main point, that Jesus craves intimacy with every single one of you. Instead of, biz- instead of a business lunch, he wants to hang out. Jesus loves just to hang out with you. And instead of just rushing from a meal, he wants to linger with you. For Jesus, anytime he could be around a table, it was all about connecting with others in ministry. Whenever he ate, he was doing more than just filling a physical need for his body. In these meals that Jesus ate, the gospel writers, they recorded, uh, they recorded these things. They show us how Jesus lived out his mission here on earth. And one of Jesus' missions, uh, strategies here on earth was a long table with lots of people around it. Let's look at how he lived it out. If you guys would open up your Bibles, if you brought one, or maybe open up your phone app uh, to the Bible app, or you can just look on the screens. We're going to read out of Luke 5, verses 27 through 31. And it says this, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up and he left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet. For Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? But Jesus answered them, and he said, Is it not the healthy who need a doctor? No, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Today, I want to show you what having a meal with Jesus is all about. It's the idea of intimacy and lingering over a meal. And it's so vital to our lives, guys, in our walk with Christ. And it all begins with this. Who does Jesus eat with? Now, it goes on to talk about this in Luke 5, verse 29. Uh, Levi held a banquet in his home, and Jesus was the guest of honor. And Levi, I don't know if you guys know this, but he was the same guy as Matthew, the disciple of Jesus. So whenever you see Levi, It's Matthew, the disciple of Jesus. And Jesus just asked Levi to be his disciple. And then Levi invited a bunch of tax collectors and a bunch of other guests. Now, Jesus was invited to this dinner as a guest of honor. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this question, but um, if there was ever three people, past or present, that you could invite to a meal, who would it be? And real quick, I just want you guys just to take a moment. Would you tell the person next to you, if you could invite two or three people to a dinner, who would it be? Go ahead and tell them now. Awfully quiet. Just share with them who it is. Is it a celebrity? Is it a sports star? Okay, what were some of your answers? What were some of your answers? Anyone over here? Who would you say? Who? Your mom? That's a great one. Anyone else over here? No? How about someone over here? You guys got to have a better answer. You guys have an answer? You can't get better than mom. Your mom and his mom? Yeah. It's loved ones. It's people who we care about. You know, and when I looked up online to see what people's answers were, every single time Jesus was on that list. And so 
in Luke 5, 29, Levi holds this banquet at his home as a guest of honor. He has Jesus. And, 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 and Jesus, at this time, he, he, he goes and he loves these people. He pours into them. He hears their stories. He shares with them his love. And I think that I want you to take away a couple things from this meal. The very first thing I want you to see today is that Jesus loves big meals. Look at that verse again. Levi, he held a banquet, this feast. It was a huge feast. It wasn't, it was a grand feast. It was a grand banquet. It wasn't just some, some small little lunch. I can imagine that Levi pulled out all the stops. He probably had some chicken and he had some steak. He probably had some pork ribs. Nope, he didn't have pork ribs because he was Jewish, but he probably also had sweet potatoes and mashed potatoes. And he probably had some of those rolls from Texas Roadhouse that are just amazing. And everything was just dripping with butter. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesus loved to eat. And I can imagine that in heaven, we can eat all we want and we're not going to put on a pound. Can I get an amen? All right. But, but here, here's the deal. If, if you're a theologian in here today, don't correct me. Don't harsh my vibe. I just want to believe that. I'm just kidding. And so <clears throat> that's my dream. Uh, but Jesus, he loved to eat big meals, not because of the menu, but because of who he was with. Look again at verse 29. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors were there. Now, Levi had a long list, and he invited everyone he knew. And then he said to them, he's like, hey, guys, why don't you invite everyone else that you know? Now, the problem was, who did Levi know? Well, he knew tax collectors. And these guys didn't have the best reputation. And neither did those who they hung out with. And look at how the Pharisees described them in Luke 5.30. It says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. He says, why do you eat and drink with such scum? You see, tax collectors, they collected taxes for the Romans. And no one liked the Romans because they controlled the Jews. So all the Jewish people hated the tax collectors because essentially they were traitors against their own people. And the religious people of Jesus' day, they thought that whoever you shared a meal with it would either elevate your status or it would decrease your status or it could even affect your holiness. And so they better choose wisely the guest list. If they ate with someone of high standing, people held them in higher regard. But if they ate with someone who was a lower class, it would lower their, their, their influence and it made them look bad. But Jesus, he walks in, he sits down at this table with this checkered guest list. And you've got these tax collectors these wine drinkers, these gluttons, these sinners. And I've got to imagine that Jesus thought to himself, this is great because Jesus loved to be with broken people. He wasn't put off by them. He loved them. He, he would put his arms around them. He cared about them. And he didn't care so much about their status. He simply cared about them. Jesus knew that the only way to change their lives was by interacting with them and getting to know them. And the best way to do that was to get them around a table and put some food on the table. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but Harvard uh, Graduate School of Education did a study. And it, they studied a bunch of research over the last 20 years. And here's what they found. Then the last 20 years, the families have been eating together less and less. It's been on a rapid decline. As a matter of fact, right now, only about 30% of families eat together on a regular basis. But check this out. Here's what their research found, and it's astounding. Regular family dinners are associated with lower rates of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, 
eating disorders, tobacco use, early teen pregnancy, and that people who have regular family dinners, they have higher rates of resilience, self-esteem, higher academic performance in kids and in teens. Guys, this is great for your body and for your mind. It boosts your confidence. It relieves anxiety and depression and tension. And it also reduces destructive behavior. Who doesn't want that for their kids? Who doesn't want that for themselves? The research found that families who did this at least three times a week, that it made a significant difference in all of those areas. This is so much more than just being around a table and eating a meal. This is truly about connection and quality time and space for intimacy. And dads in the room, I've got some really good news for you. Yesterday I read an article, and this was by the British Psychological Society, and here's what they said. The dad jokes are actually beneficial for your kids. Did you know that? This is 100% true. I'm not making a joke here in this. I'm I'm not trying to set you up. It's 100% true. And here's what they said, that it showed that it was beneficial to helping your kids learn how to overcome embarrassment and awkwardness. So if you want to help your kids know how to do life, you've got to tell more dad jokes. And so there, you're welcome, men. Um, The problem, Jesus absolutely loved to encounter people with big, big problems. And why? Because it was an opportunity for him to show big, big grace to them. Look at Luke 5, 31 and 32. Jesus answered them and said, healthy people don't need a doctor, the sick do. And I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and they need to repent. In other words, the love of Jesus, it seeks out the worst among us, the broken, the wounded, the hurting, the sick and the dying. Jesus shares his table with anyone and everyone who wants to come, but he saves the best seat for those who need him the most. He knew that all these people who were around this table, that they needed to make changes in their lives. But he wasn't so concerned about that in that moment. He wanted to show them his love, and he knew once they experienced his love, they would never be the same. And that's how I see New Life Church. We like to invite everyone, just like Jesus did. Matter of fact, our mission statement is this, that we exist to bring our friends and our family members and to help develop them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. I don't know if you guys have been through our Connect class here, but man, it's an amazing experience. And in our Connect class, you're going to learn about our core values as a church. And two of those core values are this. One is that Jesus' presence changes everything. That when someone can get into Jesus' presence in an atmosphere like this, with worship like this, with teaching and those things, it can change someone's life and their reality in a moment. The second thing that we teach people as one of our core values is the val- we believe in the value of a soul, in the value of a person, because people matter to God. And guys, we get these, orders, these marching orders straight out of the Bible, where Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I really like the simplicity of that. Go, tell, baptize, disciple. Go, tell, baptize, disciple. It starts with going and telling others and inviting them to the table. And when they come to the table, they come in and they receive Jesus. They become a part of God's family. And then they get baptized and they go public with their faith. And then we begin to disciple them and they learn about God. And then they go out and they tell their friends. And they invite others to the table to meet Jesus. 
Some of you are here today because someone invited you. And that person invited you, someone invited them. And there's probably someone that invited them as well. And if we started tracing it out, we would find that all of us are here because five, maybe 10, 15 years ago, someone invited someone to come be a part of new life. The question that we need to ask is, what does God's table look like? Because our table needs to look like that too. I hope our gatherings look like God's guest list because people matter to God. One of the most unloving things that you can do towards somebody is to stay silent about Jesus. Did you hear me in that? One of the most unloving things you can do is to stay silent about your faith in Jesus. Why would you hold back the best thing that's ever happened to you? Share that gift. Show them the love that you've experienced and acceptance of Jesus and how he's transformed your life. Jesus wants everyone and anyone to come eat with him. He wants the lowliest beggar, and he wants the richest CEO. He wants the loneliest loner, and he also wants the most popular celebrity. Jesus wants those who who are down on their luck as a sinner, and he also wants the self-righteous saint. He invites all of us to come around the table. Let's look at how the prophet Isaiah put it when he described God's table in Isaiah 25, verse 6. It says this, In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread out a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It'll be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and barbecue. Actually, no, that's what it says in the Greek. Uh, It's actually choice meats. And, and, And Isaiah's saying here, at the end of the world, the whole table will be full. There'll be all kinds of people and from different nations and different backgrounds and people of all colors and languages and all kinds of jobs. And I've got this feeling that God wants us to start that right now here on earth, that we would bring heaven, what heaven looks like to earth. And at New Life Church, we want everyone to be invited here and experience the love and the transformative grace of Jesus Christ. And that our table will begin to look like down here what it's going to look like someday in heaven. We love big meals and big tables because Jesus loves big meals and big tables. But maybe you're here today and you go, Kurt, I don't know if you know this, but I've been through a divorce and my family is a hot mess right now. Are you sure you guys want us there? Yeah, we want you here. Maybe today you've been wrestling with some issues, maybe for a long time. Maybe you're hearing you've cheated on your spouse, or maybe you're wrestling with pornography, or you're wrestling with some other thing in your life. You're going, man, is this really a place for me? Yes, this is a place for you. Maybe you're here and you're going, Kurt, I still got addictions. I'm wrestling with alcohol or maybe drugs. And you're saying, I don't know if this is a place for me. I want you to hear this is a place for you. We found the best way to see lives change is to connect people into community and to show them the love of Jesus. Because people who are hurting, people who are broken, they need a safe place. And that's why this weekend experience matters so much. That's why life groups matter so much. Matter of fact, if you're not in a life group, you are really missing out because that's where true relationship happens. If you feel like today you don't belong in church, I want you to hear that we want you here. We want you here. And if you need help, 
We'll do all that we can to help you. And we will do all we can to help you encounter Jesus at the table. And then we'll watch as he transforms your life. And then we'll praise God for what he has done in your life. And then we're going to tell the whole world what God has done in your life. Because it's amazing when you see someone who has experienced the goodness and the grace of Jesus. Now let's look back at Isaiah 25. Now in verse 6 we talked about there's this amazing banquet. But then it goes on to say in verse 7 it says, There he will remove the cloud of gloom and the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. And he will swallow up death forever. And the sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. Think about that. In Revelation 21 verse 4, it tells us that God's going to wipe away every tear and that death will be no more. It goes on to say in Isaiah that he will remove forever the insults and the mockery against his land and against his people. The Lord has spoken. If you look at that word for insults and mockery, it's the word actually disgrace. And think about this. God's going to remove all the disgrace from his people forever. I'm sure there's probably some things in your past that you wish would not have happened. Or maybe some things you participated in that you wish you would have never participated in. And God says... At the end of days, I'm going to remove all that stuff. I'm going to throw it away. It doesn't even matter. His grace, it covers it. And if you're here today and you say, I want those words in Isaiah 25 to be about me. I want that cloud of gloom to be removed, that shadow of death to be cleared out. I want that taste of death to be swallowed up. The Lord, And for the Lord to wipe away every tear, then I want you to hear, guys, today that Jesus is for you. He's here with you right now, and he's knocking on the door of your heart. The question is, will you let him in? Maybe you've never thought that you were on God's guest list. You thought your choices, your actions, maybe your behaviors, maybe you thought that that would disqualify you from coming to God. And you've thought all along that God was upset with you. He's just waiting to smite you. You never imagined that God would invite you to a meal. He wants to sit down with you and that he deeply cares for you. The question is, will you accept his invitation? I'd like to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus is standing today at the door of your heart and he's knocking. He's not knocking like some SWAT team to come in. That's not the way God works. He's knocking like a friend. He wants to come in. He wants to have a meal with you, to love on you and to care for you. Here's the deal. You don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. He'll take care of cleaning up your life because Jesus is better at saving than you are at sinning. I love that in Romans 5, 21 and 22, it says that when it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down every time. Jesus loves you, he accepts you, and he's gonna transform your life in the most amazing of ways. And if that's you today, and you wanna open the door of your heart to Jesus, and you want a real and close relationship with Jesus, I would just ask that you would raise your hand with no one looking around. Just raise your hand as a symbol of saying, God, I open the door of my heart to you. Thank you, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Thank you. You can go ahead and put your hands down. Today I would ask that every person would pray this prayer with me so that no one prays alone. So today, 
if you lifted your hand or maybe you felt like you should have, but you didn't because you were afraid, it's okay. If you just pray these words out loud with everyone here in the room and open up your heart to Jesus. So let's pray. Dear God, would you repeat this after me? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Today I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my life to be my Savior, my Lord, my forgiver, in the best way that I know how, I turn over control of my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for all those people, guys in here who raised their hand? That's the best choice that you have ever made in your life. When you open up your door, to, the door of your heart to Jesus, he comes in and he simply wants to know you. He wants to care about you. He wants to wrap his arms around you. One more thing before we leave today. The second thing I want you to see out of Luke 5 is that Jesus, he loves to linger. Jesus loves big meals and he loves eating with the rejected and the broken. He loves to dish out big grace and to bring the lost home. But the way that he does it is not through some quick and instant fast food meal. Look at the criticism that Jesus' own disciples got in Luke 5, 33. It says, one day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples, they fast and pray regularly. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But why are your disciples always eating and drinking? In other words, why do you guys eat so much? Why are you guys just sitting around a table and talking all the time? See, Jesus' disciples had this reputation of just lingering and hanging out with Jesus. And we should have that same reputation. When we open the door to Jesus, he comes in to meet with us. And he's not just bringing in a McDonald's bag with two Big Macs in it. That's not what he's doing. He's not also bringing in a legal pad, slapping it down and going, we got some work to do here. That's not what he's doing. He takes the notepad and he takes the iPhone and the iPad and he throws them out. And he says this, would you just be here with me? Can we be fully present in this moment? I love you. I care about you want to know you. God is always about be and not do. Why is that? Because being is more important than doing with God. He wants us to just hang out. Jesus craves intimacy with us, and that requires time, transparency, and just lingering. The disciples had it figured out, but if we or do we just rush through our day and grab a quick bite to eat with Jesus? Or do we do a quick business lunch with him and just tell him what we need? Or do we work on our phone through a meal with Jesus? The truth of the matter is, we need to slow down more and more. And I'm starting to learn that. In Psalm 34, verse 8, it says this, to taste and to see and to experience that the Lord is good. And Here's what we can learn from that. The only way to do that is by savoring and enjoying the presence of God. But the only way that we can know if God is good or not is to taste and to see and to linger and to experience his goodness. There can be no shortcuts in God's kitchen. Time and transparency are essential ingredients to the recipe for intimacy. 
over the next few weeks, if you commit just to linger, to rest and relax, to taste and see, God will show up and you will experience new levels of intimacy in your relationship with God that you've never experienced before. Maybe instead of listening to the radio on the way to work, maybe just turn the radio off and you just say, God, I'm here. I'm listening. Would you speak to me? Maybe he might give you an impression in your heart or thought in your mind, or maybe you might even actually hear the audible voice of God. But just to allow him, sometimes in prayer, guys, I, I, I want to say so much to God. I want to tell him thanks for some things. I want to ask him for some things. I, I, I want to I just share with him what's going on in my world. But sometimes, guys, if I'm honest, I'm so slow to listen. And intimacy comes from when one person talks and another listens, then the other person talks and the other person listens. So a couple next steps for you guys over the next couple weeks. The first one is, is that Jesus loves a big crowded table for people to come and to experience his love. So one thought for you is maybe you might want to try an MTCD. You're like, what is that? Is that like some sort of keto supplement? It's not. An MTCD is a Matthew tax collector dinner. Maybe you want to host a dinner for your friends, some people who you know who are far from God. Maybe it's your neighbors who live across the street. You guys interact when you see each other mowing the lawns, but maybe you've never invited them over. Maybe this would be an opportunity where you could just invite some people over and you could have dinner and you could just hear their story. You could show them love. And maybe when God gives you the right opportunity, you could share your faith. Or maybe invite them to our Easter service. The second next step for you is we have our Easter services coming up. Guys, we're going to set the table with an amazing experience. But like Matthew, who are you going to bring to the party? And let me just say this. Easter, we might refer to it as the Super Bowl, but it's, it's not because of all the people. The big reason why it's the Super Bowl is because we give people such an opportunity to experience the life-changing transformation of Jesus. We tell people the good news of Jesus, that he can take a sinner like me and he can transform them into somebody who can live for his glory, who can make a difference in their world. And that is so amazing, the work of grace. So over these next few moments, guys, we want to give you an opportunity. We're going to worship some more. We want to give you an opportunity to experience the goodness of Jesus to linger in his presence. So at these back tables, we have communion there if you'd like to take communion. Also, if you guys want a prayer over something, there's some prayer cards that are in the seat pockets in front of you. On one side, you can write a prayer. If you have something you want to thank God for and you want to praise God for, you can simply flip it over and it has a spot for you to do that as well. And so let me pray for us as we continue in these moments of worship. God, we don't want to be in a hurry when it comes to your presence, when it comes to your voice. So God, open our ears and give us hearts to respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we stand and worship together?